Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Okay, First Peter 5 and 1. The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Peter really is talking from experience here, if you ask me. That guy was something else. I love reading about Peter because he messed up so much. I'm like, yeah, I would have done that. <laughs> Peter is basically me. So he'd gone through also the best Bible college that had ever existed. He went through a three-year educational program taught by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He knows what he's talking about. But Peter had been in the trenches. He had made mistakes. He had personally seen Jesus suffer the crucifixion, his arrest, his beating, everything. He saw all that. And even though Peter messed up as bad as he did, the Lord still chose Peter to stay on as a disciple and to continue preaching the gospel even after Peter failed so many times. I love Peter because I mess up. I know some people, they mess up just this much and they're ready to quit. God can't use me anymore. I'm done. I messed it. No, it's not like that. So listen to Peter. He's He's our example here. So Peter would have been disqualified from service had it not been for the fact that he was a partaker of grace, he said. I am a partaker of grace. If you're a partaker of grace, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Lord, I don't deserve to stand here as a pastor. He goes, Lord says, I know. I've given you grace to be able to do that. Lord, I don't deserve to be saved. I sinned real bad. He's like, I know. I gave you grace to save you. It's undeserved, okay? So he would have been disqualified, but he's a partaker of grace. And if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a partaker of grace too. Stop beating yourself up over every little imperfection you've ever had in your life. God has given you grace to keep going, okay? So also, Peter identified himself as being an elder. What is an elder? An elder is somebody who is part of the leadership of a church. They oversee, they're over a church. Now, elders have several different functions, and you can jot down these scriptures if you want to go look them up. Elders pray for the sick. That's in James 5.14. That's one of the things they do. I've done that many times. I go to hospitals and wherever with a little oil and do as the Bible says and anoint them and we pray. Elders also watch out over the spiritual life of the church. You can look that up in Hebrews 13.17. Elders are to spend their time in prayer and in teaching the word. And that's in Acts 6, 2 through 4, because the leaders, the elders at the time of the early church, they were trying to do everything, and they realized, hey, we can't do all this work and pray and study the word. So they divided some guys off to take care of that work while they stuck to praying and reading of the word. So that's what elders do. So in verse 4, Peter encouraged the elders of the church because he knew they needed encouragement often. Friends, I'm going to tell you, I need encouragement often, okay? I'm here to encourage you 
Always remember to encourage me, okay? I had a heck of a night last night. Satan was beating me up pretty good. I didn't sleep too well. I need encouragement, all right? We need encouragement, and he's trying to encourage the, the elders. So let's notice that Peter said in verse 1, he himself is an elder too. I'm sure he needed encouragement a lot of times, and he took it upon himself to exhort them as well. But added to the fact that Peter was an elder, he also was a witness to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Not one of us in the room can say we saw it. He saw it with his own eyes. And we need to remember that Peter made the point in the previous chapter that those who share in Jesus' sufferings will also share in his glory as well. I want to show you an example of this in Acts 5 verse 40 of some guys going through some difficult times. It says, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them. How many of you have been beaten for Jesus Christ yet? I have not. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. It didn't say they went around mad and getting all upset and forget it. I quit and I'm not doing this anymore and I forget this Christian stuff. They went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. (laughs) People insult you and shame you for being a Christian. Hey, be happy about it because Jesus went through that too. I'm like, hey, they're treating me just like they treated him. That's awesome to me. Be glad that you shared in his sufferings, right? So why would Peter and the other disciples be glad to be beaten for Jesus? I mean, I ain't seen anybody beaten around here before. They knew that the glory was still ahead of them. They knew what was coming. It says in Romans 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Whatever you're going through, I may know what it is. I may not know what it is. I want you to know it seems big now. But it's going to be nothing compared to the glory that's coming. Just stick it out and be glad. If, the, if it's for the Lord that you're taking this, be rejoicing that you get to share in his suffering. This is why Peter said at the end of verse 1, he said, I am also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Guys, Peter went through his own sufferings for Jesus Christ as well, but he was glad about it because he knew that the glory was going to be ahead that he get to be a part of. Friends, whatever you're going through as a Christian in this world, the beatings that you're taking, whether they're culturally or physically, mentally, verbally, whatever people put on you, hey, be glad that you're shamed for being a Christian because Jesus was shamed. If they're treating me just like Jesus, well, then praise God. I'm trying to encourage you. You would not believe the emails I get because I'm on the radio. People all over the place out there hear me and they come charging back with all these things. If I let that stuff get to me, I'd have quit a long time ago, okay? So just be glad, be happy. I want you to encourage all of you with this knowledge that whatever you're suffering today, whatever you're going through for being a believer, there is great glory in Jesus waiting for you ahead. In that glory, I can imagine maybe Jesus will say, hey, I remember every time people knocked on you and pushed you and insulted you for me, and I'm glad you stuck it out. Thanks for hanging with me, man. It's going to be a good time. First Peter 5 and 2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those, who, those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. 
Okay, an overseer is the same definition as an elder is. The leadership of people who are looking for the physical and spiritual guardianship of the church. They guard the church. But anyone who is serving as an elder and overseer should only do it if they have a real willingness to do it. they got to want to do it. When I asked our deacons, when I ask anybody in here to, to do anything something for the church, I have to already see that they want to do it before I ask them. I don't ask them and then, then try to get them to want to do it. I already have to see a, a process, a track record that they're already there before I will ask them. I find it the strangest thing when I hear guys tell me they're called to ministry, but they hate people. I mean, they don't like anybody. You know what I'm saying? I hate going to Houston. I hate traffic. I hate crowds. I don't go to football games because I have to sit next to somebody. They hate people. They don't like anyone. I hate my boss. I hate my coworkers. They don't like anyone. Oh, I'm called to ministry. I'm like, you got some times ahead of you, buddy. <laughs> I kind of doubt they're really called, but there's Christians that uh, I've gone through Bible college with that didn't like people, but they were academic Christians. They were just academic. They were in the books. And a lot of these guys I know that hate hate people, but they're called to ministry. All they've done is online seminary and, and going to seminary, and they're in the books. And there I did a wonderful report, and I got an A-plus on it, and I'm wonderful, but they hate people. There's a problem. They don't have a willingness to do what they're studying to do. I don't get it. Peter said, you have to take this elder role willingly. You've got to want to do it. You have to want it because you actually love it. I've seen some pastors out there that lost their love for ministry, and it's been really sad to see. I, I saw one church. It was amazing. I don't know why this hit me. But the praise team would continue praising as long as the pastor wanted to keep smoking cigarettes. He would stand at the door and just motion, just keep going, just play another round. He'd be back there. It's like he didn't care. He just, so what? So the, the band would play a little more and play. Okay, God got more praise based on a cigarette. Come on. This guy didn't want it. He should have been in there with the people doing it. It just became a job to them. And that's when they start misusing the church for, on, for dishonest gain. Peter said, you've got to want it. You've got to love it willingly, not for dishonest gain. Let me talk about dishonest gain for a minute. I once belonged to a church. Me and Anna have been through churches where we learned what not to do. We belonged to a church that ran an orphanage in Africa. And there was an investigation. We found out that the orphanage people were taking the church's money and they were pocketing it for themselves at the suffering of the children. It was dishonest gain. They were misusing it. I was on a mission team one time. I went off to uh, Panama. We were off the coast of Panama where the Kuna Indians live off the coast of Panama. We found this place to put up a church plant, and it was wonderful. We all got in a big circle. See, they live on little islands that are spotted around out there in the water, and there's not much room. We found a place that had some room. We got in a big circle, and we prayed for a church plant that was going to go there. And, wow, I just thought it was great. We're gonna have, there's going to be a church here, and I got to be here before it was even set. Well, we talked about, you know, the, the amount of money it was going to take to, to start it up and everything. And they agreed well, on this much money and we'll do this and all. Well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a day later. They quadrupled the price. And, and then after that, it, it was 10 times. Then it was 20 times. And they wanted a million dollars. It's like dishonest gain. It's like we got these rich Americans on the hook. We'll make money off of them. It, there it went. But I've seen so much dishonest gain in churches before that I have when I came to this church, I purposely wrote a separation of duty policy 
that's written into this church that the pastor is never to count the money that goes in that blue box back there. You will never see me put my hand in that blue box. I don't go back there. We have other people that do it. Uh, two people account for it together so that we can watch each other. And then it goes to the accountant signed off and everything. Okay, we have an accountability system in this church specifically to prevent anyone from misusing this church for dishonest gain. I don't want to see that here. I've seen enough of it. It's made me sick. It's nauseating. It just makes you mad. I'm listening to what Peter said. You got to do this because you want to do it and not for any kind of dishonest gain at all. We want to keep this church, as Peter said, we want to keep this church eagerly and willingly. We are here to serve and preach and to preach God's word because we just want to do it for the Lord. Nobody that serves in here is serving here because they don't really want to do it. If anybody's serving in here, you decide you don't want to do it anymore and you want to pass it off, come tell me. We'll find somebody else, but we do it because we want to. Corrupted church leaders like to run over their own people. When Peter said, he said, lording over them, Peter called it. That means I'm going to run you over like a bulldozer. This church is going to do this. You are going to work the sound booth whether you like it or not. You are going to play acoustic guitar whether you like it or not. And I will see you Sunday. And if you don't show up, well, then, you know, I've seen churches do this. We had a church before, the sound guy that ran the big soundboard, they made him run the soundboard every time, every Sunday, every Wednesday, funeral and wedding. They drove him into the dirt and he quit one day. He quit. He left. He was gone. He never came back to that church again. That's what Peter says. You lord it over them. Don't do that. Some elders treat their people like they're there for them. None of y'all better be here for me. When you come here, you better come here for the Lord God and the preaching of his word. Just you like the way we do it here. Don't come here for me. I don't want expect you to come here for me. But some people act like, well, you're here for me. And I'm the pastor. And here I am. And I'm going to preach. And all y'all be quiet and listen and do what I tell you to do. And it's a control factor. It's sick. It's disgusting. So apparently in Peter's day, as it still happens today, there were churches that thought their leadership positions made them some kind of a ruler, some kind of a dictator that I got to run over you with to line their own pockets or to increase their esteem or their stature. And so I can feel like I'm really something else in this community. But Peter instructed the elders to be examples, examples. How do you want to be treated? Well, that's the way I'm going to try to treat you. I'm going to try to treat you the way I want people to do to me. We're supposed to serve as models. Elders are supposed to serve as models that people want to follow. Nobody wants to follow a slave driver church, a dictator church, but a model example church, they will. Put up that picture of that cart. I found this picture a long time ago, and I thought that perfectly explains the difference between worldly leadership versus Christian leadership, okay? You don't just sit in the cart and whip people to move. You get out there and pull with them. The leader should be out there in the front doing the work. Jesus got out there and just got out in front and says, I'm going to do the work. Watch what I do. He went out and healed the sick. He prayed. He went. He suffered for us. He did all these things and as an example for the disciples. He didn't just show up and sit in a high and mighty chair and say, here's all the things I want you to do. Now go do it. Jesus did it first. So there's a right way and a wrong way to lead. God's way of leading is by example. Jesus did not come here to bark orders at us. He came to first do what he wanted us to do. 
Now, the reason why Jesus expects us to live as a sacrifice, and a lot of people hear that, they don't like it. Well, I don't want to give up all my fun stuff. Well, Jesus expects you to live as a sacrifice because he first gave himself as a sacrifice for us first. He's not asking you to do anything that he didn't already do. He already did it. Jesus did first what he expects us to do. So when church elders live as examples to their people, it displays a mature Christian character like that of Christ himself. Jesus is the standard that we want to follow here to lead by example, not by driving it into people and forcing them into it. And the only reason I think people are going to want to do it is if the leadership wants to do it. (laughs) I'm here because I want to. Uh, the last week, if I didn't want to be here, I'd have just said, no, nah, I don't feel good. I'm going to stay home. Not, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I know there's some days you don't feel good. I understand that. But what I'm getting at is I want to be here. I love this church. I love every one of you. Okay? So I hope y'all can see that in me. Y'all see it? That was not a forced smile. <laughs> I love you. First Peter 5 and 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That's what you get for doing all this. The, the crown of unfading glory. This is great. <laughs> you know, this is the best kind of encouragement for why we should be living for Jesus. It's not just that you get saved. That's, that's enough, if you ask me. But there's more. You can get this unfading crown of glory. So this eternal crown of glory, who knows what this thing is going to be like? I mean, I'm trying to imagine what is this crown going to be? I mean, you know, some people have a nice car and man, that car to them is just so awesome. I mean, I've got a a reasonably new truck. Man, that truck is cool. But I know that one day it's going to wear out like I wore out the last one that Hank fixed up and is still running, but I still ran it out, okay? (laughs) But you see how excited kids get when you give them a new phone or maybe a new video game system or something. Eventually, all those things are going to end up obsolete, or they're going to break, or they're going to be blown away by the wind or something at some point. You know, I have an old Atari 5200 system that I had in my closet. Anybody remember? I know you remember the Atari 2600. But do you remember the 5200, the big, big black one? Okay, I had that. You see me playing it? No, that thing's old. What I do? I just toss it away. I remember the day I got it. I was excited as all get out. Doesn't mean nothing now. I went by the video game shop over here. I walked in. I said, you want that? They're like, yeah, we can't really pay much. I said, keep it. I don't care. And I walked out the door. It wasn't no big deal anymore. These things are going to go away. They're going to end up being useless. Now, to imagine, imagine wearing a crown. Now, at first, when you think just wearing a crown, that doesn't seem very impressive to us because we don't fully understand what a crown carries with it. A crown is not just something you wear on your head and that's it. Crowns carry special reward with it. They carry authority with it. They carry identity with it. It's special. Now, I'm not sure what all comes with a heavenly crown, and I'm not going to try to venture off into what I think it might be, but I can guarantee you it's going to be absolutely amazing what this crown is going to be. You just wait. Now, there are many kinds of rewards mentioned in the Bible, and I found only 13 different kinds of crowns. Lots of rewards, but I only found 13 crowns. 1 Peter 5 is one of the 13 biblical locations 
that describes the crown of unfading glory. It's one of the 13 crowns that I've seen biblically. And it's given to church elders and leaders who have been faithful as godly examples over their flock. So thank you for coming here. You're helping me get to that crown. I want it. I'm looking forward to it. So let me offer you a point of perspective to consider. There's been a few times I've asked somebody to help out with something in the church, but I get varying responses when I ask. Sometimes they look scared. Hey, would you like to help with? And they get this, oh, they have this look. (laughs) And sometimes they get excited. They get very excited about it. Sometimes it's a very fair response of, well, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you. And that's totally okay. But consider that if you're ever given a way to lead in the church assembly, don't just look at it merely for that work in that church that you'll have to do, but look at it from the standpoint that it's an opportunity to build up believers in their faith and possibly a way to be given the unfading crown of glory. See, there's a lot more behind that service than just what I can offer you. But if you do it willingly, gosh, look what's behind it, this crown. So, okay, after church, everybody's going to come ask me something they can do now, right? (laughs) Just, (laughs) I want a crown. I think uh, we have some Burger King crowns in the back, don't we? But but this excites me, guys, this crown, this, it's an eternal crown of glory. It's, you know, because as a pastor, I could possibly one day be given this crown. And I'm, I'm really looking into what Peter says in this chapter. Now, this really motivates me to keep going because, you know, guys, there's times I want to quit. But I tell you, any elder in a church, there's times they consider just, I, I can't do this. I just can't do this anymore. It's too heavy. It's been a lot of times I wanted to quit as a shepherd, as a pastor, because it's hard work. But then I have to come around and remember that if I trust in the Lord enough to keep going, then when the chief shepherd appears, which is chief pastor, that's what pastor means. It means a shepherd. When the chief pastor appears, maybe I could receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And then I get excited again, and then I forget about wanting to quit, and I keep going, and I do another week, and I do another Sunday. Everybody's going to come ask me what they can help do now in the church, and that would be great. <laughs> but let's, let's do it together, all that we do together. First Peter 5 and 5. Says likewise, you younger people. Okay, now I want you kids to realize I did not write this. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Okay, humility is a big deal. You come walking in the church acting like you're all that, and I've, you know, I'm really the biggest thing on the block, and I, you know, I'm doing really good this year, and I made lots of money, and I'm cool, and I. That's not clothing yourself humility. That's clothing yourself with pride. You're going the wrong way, Bubba. <laughs> Turn around. But good instruction for younger people: listen to your elders. Believe it or not, your elders actually know better than you do. <laughs> and everybody that's older than me, I do listen to you. Even though I am the pastor, I still listen to you because I know you're a little farther down the highway. So oftentimes, I see younger people who are eager to come to church and to do the things of the Lord, and that's great. But now and then, you can just tell when kids come to the church and they have a look on their face like they would just rather be anywhere but here. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.